You ready? Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today is Miss Olivia Farrell, the self-taught publisher and CEO of the award-winning weekly journal, Arkansas Business. Under Olivia's leadership, this business journal that she co-founded in 1984 grew to become a publishing conglomerate of roughly 30 title publications across two states. To better represent her expanding business, Olivia broadened the company name to Arkansas Business Publishing Group. Under this diverse business model, she grew the company revenues from 100,000, are you ready? to $8 million and over 70 employees. Last year, Miss Farrell did what I know must have been hard and sold her baby, Arkansas Business Publishing Group, to her savvy employee and maybe her biggest fan, Mitch Bettis. Together, they share the same business ethics of a family-friendly workplace, honorable business relationships, factual reporting, and service to others. Speaking to that, Olivia in 1998 co-founded with Miss Pat Lyle the Arkansas Women's Foundation, which works to ensure economic security for Arkansas women and girls. Today, we're going to hear Miss Farrell's story, a single mom with two children who broke rules and glass ceilings, first by appearing on the 1977 Arkansas Times Magazine cover, Living It Up in High Style Edition with a Lit Joint. <laughs> to becoming CEO and owner of Arkansas Business Publishing Group. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the uniquely instinctive businesswoman who makes no excuses for her gender and has won many first-time women's success awards, Miss Olivia Farrell. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so, so delighted to be here. Well, I'll just tell everybody that I've been trying to get you on, and I called you last year because you sold your business in, in uh, February of 2019, and I called you up. We were just talking about this before the show, and I said, oh, Olivia, you got to come on and tell your story, and you said, I'm not doing anything for one year. <laughs> and, it's, right. and at one year, I called you back and said, here we are. And also before the show, we talked about how you and I's paths have been so parallel but yeah. yet, we never really met each other. I mean, we knew about each other, but yes. we never really met each other prior to today. No. I think interesting. No, actually, I did meet you once at Flag and Banner. You probably don't remember this because you were busy running. You know, Flag crazy. and Banner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was buying some flags. Well, and thank you very much. I did meet you there, but that's been 100 years ago. Yeah. Uh, let's start at the beginning of your life. In one article I read, and I don't know which is right. I read you're a political science major, and then in another, I read you are a bachelor's degree in history and English. So, which is it? Well, I was a political science major, and then I decided, you know, finishing college is going to be hard, and I love to read. So, why don't I finish up with my English literature degree? And it just ended up that I had enough credit to get also a history. So, it really was English and history. Oh. Yeah. So, you're everything. Just yeah. everything? <laughs> yeah. Nowhere did I read that you studied journalism. So what I were didn't. your plans when you were going to, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Yeah. Okay. 
So this is really embarrassing. But I thought <laughs> when I was uh, leaving Europe, you know, did, I went to school in Europe for a while. I thought, gosh, what do I want to be when I finish school? Do I want to work in a bookstore or a record shop? Because oh, that's such a hard choice, right? <laughs> At the time, this was seventy seven or something like that um yeah so that those were my great aspirations at that point in time uh then it was just to um get a job after i finished school and alan leverett who at that time had started the arkansas times tricked me into coming to work for him he was my neighbor in a quadruplex we lived in the quapa quarter and he kind of tricked me into coming to work with him at the arkansas times and i made the fourth person on the team so there were four of us in 1978 and I fell in love with the business, just fell in love with publishing. Everything he didn't just it. trick you into working there. He asked you to come in on the cover of a very <laughs> controversial cover. Yes. You weren't even working for him when that happened, were no, you? No, no. That's how I was his neighbor. And so he... he You're living in downtown Little Rock? Yes, He's upstairs this, from um, his he and his girlfriend. And uh, he said, I've got this cover. I want to actually do somebody smoking a joint. Would you mind? You know, because I'm the neighbor upstairs, and I said, sure, that'd be great. You didn't think I'm going to get arrested? I mean, it's 1977. People were going to jail for stuff No, like no, it was, and, and this is what's really funny, Carrie. My mother was so proud of that cover <laughs> that she had it out on her coffee table. <laughs> She's in print. She's in print. Can you imagine? I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought, you know, I was a little concerned about that, but no, she was, she, this is my daughter right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love your mother, who's still alive. Shout out yes. to mom if you're listening. Um, what was the article about? It was called Living It Up in High Style was the name of the cover that you were on. Yeah. So what was the article about? Well, in 78, you know, that was at the height of the consumption of marijuana, certainly. And what the article focused on was the fact that it was within high society, if you will, that you know, the wealthy and the rich were partaking. It wasn't just a youth drug, but that it, it actually made its way into the upper echelons of society. Oh, high, living it up high, living it up in high style. Yes. I see. So uh, I heard your editor was Bill Terry because Alan Leverett was not the editor. No, he was what? the publisher. And so the editor, I heard, was a little upset. He did that, or did he know that y'all were going to do that cover? No, no, he did. What he was concerned about was he was scared to death that I was going to get stoned while we were shooting the cover because it was a live. So you're smoking? Yeah. No, I wasn't. It was lit. I wasn't. I wasn't inhaling. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But he was very nervous. Every time we would do some some shots, he would take it away from me. You know, because he was afraid I'd get stoned while we were shooting. That that was that was his only concern, I think. Yeah. So then you, I read where you wanted to go into the foreign services aspiration. Yes. But no, actually, I'd forgotten about that. Thank you for reminding me. I, as I mentioned earlier, I have lost, lost half my brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because of my time in Europe, yeah, after that time, I decided the foreign service would be the coolest thing to do. And my father said, well, you can't go off to D.C. at the time. This was June of 78. And you could only take the foreign service exam in December of every year. And he said, you have to save $5,000 before you can move to D.C. And so that's why I started the job. I remember now. I'd forgotten that. Um, started the job at Arkansas Times. But you also fell in love with publishing at the I same did. time. I did. No, as soon as I started working there, I, I, I have to say, I hated advertising sales. But 
Um, I got really good at it because we, you know, we needed the revenue to do the rest of it. But I loved the publishing business. I loved all the people in the publishing industry. I loved the writers and the designers. And, you know, I loved print. I loved reading. Arkansas Times at that time was so devoted to having really good quality writers from around the state. And we, we at that time, had just a lot of really great ones with wonderful writing. Uh, we actually were doing investigative reporting, very important investigative reporting at that time. So it was a it was a thrill. It was a thrill. And I loved the people. I just loved the people in the publishing industry. Did being on the cover, smoking a joint, did anybody from the Foreign Services go, you can't be on there because of that cover? <laughs> no, I didn't go take the test because I started okay. in June and you then just, just stayed. Okay. I never left. So you've met Alan Leverett. You're selling, and he's just charming. It's hard not to do anything that Alan tells you to do. You're like, Carrie, go jump off the cliff. Okay, whatever you say, Alan. So he's <laughs> he's talked you into being on the cover of this magazine with a very controversial ad of you smoking a marijuana cigarette. And now you're selling ads for the Arkansas Times, and within one short year, you are hooked on the business of publishing, uh, and you're part of the Ar- Arkansas Writers Project. What is the Arkansas Writers Project? At that time, the Arkansas Writers Project um, was primarily the Arkansas Times. It was a division. No, it, it was a, a subcorp of Arkansas Writers Project. Um, Arkansas Writers Project was the corporation, and actually, Arkansas Times was a product, if you will, of oh, the corporation. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. I'm trying to remember when we started branching into other publications. Um, it was pretty quickly, like within a few years. I think our first special publication was to do a newcomer's guide with the Chamber of Commerce. And what we found was it was very hard to make money at the Arkansas Times. And I've, I, I discovered after doing some analysis is that if chickens could read, in Arkansas, we could have done a great <laughs> business in the magazine, okay? Because there were a lot of chickens. Yes, and there just weren't enough readers. We, our saturation of the market was comparable to our peers, but there just weren't enough readers yeah, to make it work. Um, then when we launched into these ancillary publications, they were incredibly profitable. So, Niche markets. Yes, exactly, yes. So in this case, a newcomer publication – um, we started, we did it, I think our next one was a publication for for the Chamber of Commerce, their, their annual publication. Um, we branched off into things. Actually, I'm remembering now that we uh, were so successful with the Newcomer's Guide that we did one in El Dorado, which was a big defense contractor territory. I don't know if you remember that back in the early 80s. They have huge business, uh, defense contracting manufacturers down there so they had a lot of newcomers we did one in Fayetteville we actually did one in Austin Texas and one in Raleigh North Carolina so those were our newcomer publications done by the Arkansas Writers Project yes who was also publishing the um, Arkansas Arkansas Times Times. that's right and then they decided to start publishing the Arkansas Business Journal that was in 1984 and what happened to us then was a young man no let me digress okay and say we did a publication that was focused on the companies in Arkansas who were tops in their field nationally. It was an incredible publication, really fascinating. It, I mean, like 
who knew that the biggest manufacturer of rabbit feet was in Arkansas? A rabbit what? <laughs> rabbit feet. Yes. What? <laughs> lucky, lucky rabbit feet. Those. Yes, but think we about. We used to be one of the biggest rabbit producers in the country. Arkansas. Were we? Yeah, used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a lot of feet available, um, but it was from boat manufacturers to um, rice production. It was just this phenomenal, when we got in and started digging around the state, phenomenal collection of businesses who were tops in their field nationally and internationally. And that was a wildly successful publication. We knew immediately there's something here doing this focus on business. And about that time, a young man named Dan Owens came to us and said, I want to start a business, Arkansas business publication. And we said, we do too. So we joined forces and launched Arkansas Business in 1984. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You were already an owner of yes. the Arkansas Writers Project. I became an owner in 1982. I bought out, at that time, there are probably, in in that Arkansas Writers Project, there were probably, I'm going to say 25 stockholders. This is kind of interesting. Most of the stockholders were employees who had worked for nothing, and as a way to show gratitude, Alan went to the office supply store and bought the prettiest stockholder certificates he could find and gave those people stock, which they never thought would be worth anything. And just to jump forward really quickly, so when I sold the Arkansas Business Publishing Group last year, yeah, these people made huge bucks. Oh, you're kidding. No. They did. They did. Now, at that time, going moving back to 1982, there were three major stockholders. At that time, we had two classes of stock, but there were three major stockholders who really had control of the company, and I bought one of them out. Um, a few years later, Alan and I bought out the third gentleman so that he and I were the primary stockholders. And then you had all these ex-employees, these early employees who had worked for nothing, Holding the rest of the stock. Holding stock certificates. Yes. That they held forever. Yes. And so then 40 years later. Yeah, 40, 40 they decades get, later. They get them a little windfall. I love that. You're just, you're a Isn't great incredible? guest. No, well, I'll tell you what was, <laughs> one thing that was really funny. This um, was a, a previous employee who had uh, actually purchased additional stock. And unfortunately, he passed away. But his wife, when she received the proceeds wrote me and she said, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. You're so kind to do this. I said, darling, your husband did this. I didn't do this. That's your nice. husband invested in this stock. And yeah, she, I think she got like $70,000. Wow. So how many hats do you wear in the beginning at part of the Arkansas uh, Writers Project? You sold ads. I sold ads. I then would produce the ads that I sold. So I had to do, at that time, the photography, we had a photographer, but, you know, designing, styling, shooting, then writing the copy, designing, laying out the copy, producing the ads, then go and proof the press run when it comes off the press. We took turns proofing. Because it's offset printing back then. Right. Yes, exactly. And then when it was time for the magazines to be distributed, we all took our share and went and distributed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it says you bought your partner out in 1995, though. Oh, so was that Alan Leverett? And I, it wasn't that I bought him out. That's a that's a, a 
n- not correct. We split the company into two separate companies so that we could operate independently. And so he took Arkansas Times yes. and you took Arkansas Business. Yes. And a group of the special publications. And what, at the time, that's what I was going to say. So at the time in 1995, how many special publications were there? I think there were six. And he took some of them. No. Or did he just take Arkansas I Times? I think six was what we had. Six special pubs, but I also took Little Rock Family with me and Arkansas Business. And so for everybody to know, some of the titles you published, which they, everybody knows these magazines, but they may not realize they all come from the Arkansas Business right. Publishing Group. Soiree, yep. Arkansas Bride, Little Rock Family, Arkansas Next. That's well yeah. known in uh, high schools. It's a terrific magazine that addresses the information that you need to decide what you're going to do after you finish high school. And that, you know, that was really important when we launched that because there was such a brain drain in Arkansas. And we needed. What do you a, mean by that? Where our best and our brightest were leaving the state mm-hmm. and going to school elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So we created a publication that really highlighted all of the opportunities within the state in the hopes of maintaining some of that power and potential here within the state. And we have since, or they have, uh, started before I left, branched off into a section called Prose that is fantastic. I probably shouldn't be going on about this, but I like it so much. Uh, you know, there's a dearth of people going into the trades, a, just a dearth. Like, you know, the average age of the electrician. Nobody the- uses that word, dearth. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's a dearth of people going into trades. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, there, there is. And the I was going to say that the, the average age of, like, our plumbers and our electricians are, are 55 and 65. And young people, I think we went through a crazy time where we, you know, were – we were high on four-year college and really didn't really sort of diminished the the trades I and agree, trade schools and all of that. It was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So this young woman who I adore, Rachel, uh, her name's uh, her maiden name was Bradbury. It's now it escapes me, but this brilliant young woman uh, actually was the publisher for this prose, and she did these great sexy shots of welders. And electric plumbers and linemen and and women too. I mean, I don't mean to be all excited. That's about okay, the but those guys do men. look. Those strong looking guys, right? young guys do look good. With, <laughs> with all the information about what it takes to do it, what they make, what their lifestyle, what their jobs are like, just an incredible, a, a sexy publication about going into the trades, which I've kind of been hammering my daughter and and her boyfriend about, you know go into auto mechanics. <laughs> There's not enough engineers either out no, there. No, 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 no. But engineers require a degree. Yeah. So when did this one come out? What's it called? What's the name Pros. of it? Pros. What's and it? It, it's part of Next. So it goes to oh. the same high school students. Oh, I see. But it's a way to say, look. You don't have to go to college. No. You can go do this. Well, I tried to talk all my kids out of going to college, which is why every one of them went and got a four-year degree. Right. <laughs> so you'd, you'd have to pay for it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, my no, daughter. Because they're just not going to do what I tell them to do. Well, there's that. There's yeah. that. Just yes. tell your kids the opposite of what you want them to do. Um, so, you describe the company you built. Um, in what way? In terms of just when well, you think about your company that you built, the culture. Yeah. Okay. 
that's a good one. Yeah, I appreciate that question because I feel really strongly about this, and it's it's an idea that's getting a lot more traction, and I think is going to be imperative to our going forward and facing sort of the the inequities that we're up against right now. Um, for me, it was never just about the stockholders. It was never. I always felt like the company to succeed needed to care equally about the employees who work there and their well-being, certainly our customers, the readers, and the advertisers who sometimes were at odds with each other, but making sure that we took care of them, taking care of our vendors. You know, a lot of people, a lot of very successful businesses thrive on the idea that you squeeze everything you can out of your vendors until some of them go broke. And I prefer to do business with people who I want you to make money. I want me to make money. I want us to be a good partnership. And then we help each other out. You know, if there's a, a problem, we've, we've made mistakes and had to reprint entire publications and they'll do it at their cost. And, you know, there have been many instances where our vendors have saved us. And it's, I just think it's imperative you have a good relationship there. And then certainly the stockholders. I do, sir, I care about them. I'm, I was the biggest one, so I did care about that. <laughs> but that wasn't the only thing. And I'm hearing more and more now, and corporations are, are really embracing this idea of we have a responsibility to more than just our stockholders. And I'm concerned that part of what hasn't created this inequity was the idea that we're only here for the stockholders. And I remember getting into an argument with one of uh, a previous stockholder who was a Harvard business grad who was an adherent of your only responsibilities to your stockholder. And to me, that was just, you know, that's so wrong for your community, for the health of your company. And I, I do think one of the reasons that we thrived, and in particular as the newspaper business declined precipitously with the advent of the Internet, our business did not we continued to thrive, and I, I give a lot of that credit to the quality of the people that we had there, the, the, the motivation to do really good quality products, the relationships we had with our advertisers and with, our again, our vendors and in the community. I, I think that was really part of our success. When I go to sell, because I have a magazine too, when I go to sell uh, Brave Magazine to an advertising agency, First thing out of their mouth is, because I believe in print, and I believe that people like to go to the mailbox and get a good magazine and go sit on their couch and watch and read it. You looked around my house, there are a million publications laying around. Sure. You know, we're on the internet, we're on our laptops all day. But but when I go to an ad agency and I say, you know, buy an ad for this, these are the people it's going to go to, and I give them the demographics of it, they say, well, I can't measure it. How did, uh, how did... Arkansas business How counters that because yeah, you can't you you I mean you can like, see a Google click and you go well you've got a three point one ROI return you know on no, that no well clicks certainly are meaningless but they th- no they are the clicks are tell like it is that's right <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, it is at the end of the day what kind of engagement did you get and did you actually sell something and and unfortunately so many people don't look at what the return on investment is, mm-hmm. where it is much more quantifiable on the Internet. Um, so we compensated for that by knowing very precisely who our audience was. 
So we spent a lot of money on research to be able to say, this is exactly who you're going to reach. We used testimonials to talk about that. We used mathematics to quantify, you know, again, from research, what the reach is, what the, you know, penetration is, what, one thing I like to say, people in the olden days talked about cost per thousand CPM. And in the same way that ROI in internet is important, I talked about cost per effective reach. So what's it really costing you to reach the person who really can be a potential buyer? And so we use those kind of mechanisms to offset our ability to have a direct response that we could measure and say, here's your ROI. That was, I'm using that. I'm going to write that down. and I'm going to use well, in cost-effective reach the next time I'm yes. talking to somebody about. And yes. Yeah, I agree. I love, I love print. Uh, breaking the proverbial glass ceiling. Yeah. You never felt gender mattered in your career. Let me say it it did matter, but I just went on anyway. And I was fortunate because I was raised by a father who really expected me to be able to do anything I wanted. He kind of raised me like his only son. See, and that's why we both were fearless about going into whatever field or endeavor we wanted. Your Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Mulan. It, but that... Well, I'm going to take it on. Yeah, I, I was the only woman in the room for the first half of my career, over and over and over and over again. It just didn't bother me. I just said, um, you know, I, I guess I did from a very early age want to be better than any of the guys because I was defensive about being a woman and in the way you and I were socialized. I don't know if it's better for, for Gray, but the way we were socialized, we were second-class citizens. And I just didn't accept it. I never felt like um, I never felt like it was a handicap, though. No, I felt like I was the only girl in the room, but I never felt like it was I was a handicap. I was there on value because I deserved to be there. Yes, but I, but I do have to concede that I would oftentimes put a man as the face of my company. Well, they don't get pregnant and have to go out on maternity leave. Well, that shouldn't matter. I mean, do we not want to propagate the earth? I mean, you know, that's part of life. I'll tell you the other thing. This is when I first started the special pubs or special publications unit, those niche publications that were so wildly profitable. I had I hired only single mothers, and they were the hardest working, Absolutely. most effective employees in the company because they had to get their stuff done. There was no lollygagging around. They had to get her done. They had to support their children, and they were ace employees and built this phenomenal division within my company. And task-oriented, multitaskers. I'm great. Don't you think there's more women at Arkansas Flag and Banner than men? There are certainly more women at the table, literally. At the at the, at the, at the big table. At the management table. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. Absolutely. I love that. But it's not on purpose. I mean, it's no, not a conscious no, decision to no. do that. It's just they were just super qualified and super smart and Absolutely. super hardworking. Everything you just said, Olivia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Let's take another quick break. And then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Miss Olivia Farrell, retired CEO of the Arkansas Business Publishing Group, that during her tenure grew from a single magazine to 30-plus publications and from $100,000, I just love that, in sales revenue to $8 million. Still to come. How Olivia made the decision to sell the company she built, why she chose Mitch Bettis as her successor, and what she has planned for the next chapter in her life. We'll be back after the break. 
If you're one of the proud Americans that display the American flag, then check out your latest email from flagandbanner.com. There's a quick checklist to see if you need to replace your flagpole. And if you find that you should, use our coupon code for a 10% discount. Also, despite national flag shortages, we have a huge inventory of high quality US made three by five foot nylon American flags. Beautiful. Get yours in time for Veterans Day. And don't forget, once again, use that coupon code to get 10% off at flagandbanner.com. One more thing, check out our selection of flagpole solar lights. You'll really stand out with help from flagandbanner.com. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Miss Olivia Farrell, retired CEO and found and co-founder of Arkansas Business Publishing Group. Um, before the break, we talked about how she built her business, um, and now we're going to talk about how she sold her business. Um, when you look back over, over your time, um, is there something you're the most proud of that you did? Two things. No, can I have three? Okay, three. Thank you. What's that called when you have three things? It's got a... There's a word for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. I was really proud of these five annual publications that we created called the Top 100 Women. That was... Um, I created because in Arkansas Business, doing an article about women serving on boards in Arkansas, one of the banks, bank presidents who was asked, why don't you have any women on your board, answered, because there are no women qualified. Qualified? Oh, qualified. No women qualified. It still hurts me to this day. Well, he just didn't know. No. He, he just didn't. didn't know. He didn't. And so I determined at that point I was going to produce a magazine with 100 of the top women in Arkansas across a variety of fields so that, and I was going to mail it to every single board member of every public board of directors in Arkansas, as well as to every Arkansas business subscriber and reader. And so there were over 5,000 additional copies to boards of directors to say the next time you have an opening, here are 100 women highly qualified to serve on your board. And I did, and, I, and my intention was to do it for five years, which, which we did. Um, I'm, I was really proud of that. That was actually the instigator for Arkansas Women's Foundation because we got all of the women together. I think it was the fourth year. We would have a, a luncheon and get all the women together. Incredible energy with those women in one room. And... The consensus was that what we wanted to do with this power that was in that room was something that would help uh, women and girls, and, and in particular in, interesting, this kind of forward thinking, but in technology, in um, engineering, in the sciences, in technology. And this is 1998. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That is forward thinking. Yeah. Um, and... From that, it was really Pat Lyle who came to me and said, how about we start the Women's Foundation to do this? And I said, I love it. That's great. And from that, we launched an endeavor to, and it was based off the top 100 women. We went to them first and said, Mm -hmm. help us build this foundation. Was that called the Power of the Purse? Or is that something else? That was the event. Oh, that was the the name of the the event? event. Oh, yeah, I remember that, Power of the Purse. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 
So that would be one thing. Um, with, those are one and two, that being the Top 100 Women magazine that I thought was really important, starting the Women's Foundation. And then um, the third thing was the quality of the culture that we built in the company. I'm really, really proud of that. I'm really, really proud of the products that were produced from that. I'm going to get teary-eyed. Um, and I felt like those were really good jobs. We tried to pay at the highest level we could. Um, I mean, we were, all of our wages were very competitive, if not at the top of their stratus. And that 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 was that was something I took a lot of pride. All right, let's talk about you selling. Yeah. Before, before you start crying. Let's talk about you selling ABPG, Arkansas Business Publishing Group. Was there some event that triggered it, or had you been thinking about it for a long time? I had been thinking about it. I mean, 40 years, you know what it's like. Of course, you're still 40 years, 45 years. And running and gunning. And I was missing the fire in the belly. I was. Well, news never stops talk about no i mean it's just bam 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 in your face all day long every day yes i, I that 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 would be exhausting <laughs> but i still love that part of it um that's not exhausting to me but the just the business and being 40 years in one thing i was i just didn't have the same drive and motivation that i'd had previously so i felt like <clears throat> to some extent, that wasn't fair to the company either. Um, and then I was approached by a major publishing group, a publicly traded group, who I will call the Dementors. If what? You read. <laughs> but that's not their name? No. The Dementors. You're obviously not a Harry Potter fan. Or oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I caught it. <laughs> what is it? What's the, what's the definition? The creepy hooded faceless face eaters right aren't they face they suck the soul the soul, out of yeah, you. soul eaters yeah oh, so, you know, soul there you go. okay yeah. all right so you were There's approached by the soul eaters yes all right. and it was at a national convention and this you're gonna love this so um he asked me for a side meeting and this was the ceo of this particular group and uh, we go sit and talk about it and i just started crying <laughs> i just cried <laughs> talking about selling it you just start crying no, yes. she's dying thinking about it <laughs> i know it was so pitiful i don't i doubt he's ever approached somebody before <laughs> to, to purchase their company and they start crying and it was for two reasons one just you know it's like selling your child into slavery absolutely or something. but then two to a dementor you know i knew what that meant i knew that was not going to be good for my child. Or for your employees, no. or for your children's children. No, no, not at all. Uh-huh. Um, and so I came back and visited with Mitch about it, Mitch Bettis, and he, I said, you know, is there any chance you would, or he, I don't know who suggested it. He might have suggested I might be interested, because he knew, of course. Was he already working there? Yes, yes. And you fell in love with him how many years before when you hired him? The minute, the day. How many years before was that? No, I met him and hired him at the same I met him and hired him. At the same time you met Dementors? No, 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 no. Um, Let me think. He's been there six years, so maybe 2000. 
2014. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. He's been, I think he's been. So there you six meet years. him, have an interview with him, fall in love with him, hire him. What I, it was like? What what will it take to get you? Because <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. he was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, just an incredible talent and an incredible person. Didn't you cry in the interview? I did. Gosh, she cries all I the do. time. I do. I'm a big baby. I am <laughs> <laughs> laughing, crying. Sometimes I can't tell the difference between the two. Right. <laughs> they get mixed up. They do. They do get mixed up. Uh, yeah, I actually cried. That's another first for him. You know, to Cried go in an interview, <laughs> and I, I'm not even the one being interviewed. I'm the one interviewing. I'm like, <laughs> you're so fantastic. <laughs> and um, he's he's just an incredible person, an incredible talent, and he brought so much expertise that I just didn't have. I tried really hard to learn on the job, and I had great people around me who taught me so much and were so good about their time but he just had a level of corporate experience and knowledge that i didn't have how old was he when you hired him 45 maybe he looks like he's not even 45 now i know i know Right. I know. So he's been on the staff for a while. Yes. The Dementors come to you, and, and did 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 they know you were wanting to sell, or did they no, just out no. of, It's just serendipity. They just approached you out of. I have to say, within the industry, within the industry nationally, our company has a great reputation. Yeah. It's not my company anymore. Their company has a great reputation of being really good, solid company, really well run. So when the Dementors started looking for these particular companies to buy, we were the second one they came to, to, to purchase. And I think maybe Mitch said, um, you know, let me look at putting together a group and seeing if I can't get in here and, and try to buy for this. And I said, that wouldn't be so good. Start crying again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, because, well, let me just say at the end of the day, was the two days before the Dementors were going to come to town to do their on-site visit. We'd already done all the due diligence. Oh, you were that close. Yep. Oh, girl. And they were coming to town, and I called them up, and I said, don't, don't come. I, I, I just I couldn't do it. Yeah. I just couldn't I couldn't do that to the people in the company. I just I, couldn't do it. I, 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 I totally get it. His, so, the, so Mitch did put together a company, and... I think this is cute. Now I know why he did it. He named it the Five-Legged Stool LLC. Yes, he did. Remember how Gray's looking at me like, what? Because I talked about the five, and he's the one who coined the term Five-Legged Stool from that concept. Employees, readers, readers, advertisers, advertisers, vendors, and stockholders. And at a speech that I gave at the Rotary Club, I did talk about that I, I hadn't specified the community but the community always was a huge part of of our consideration. Well, I think when you wrap a big bow around all of that, it is the community. Yeah, yeah. But I do feel companies are obligated to the communities they're in. Very, I feel very strongly about that. Yeah, you and Mitch seem to be very aligned in continuing a business with the family values. Um, very much so. So the changes you saw during your nearly 40-year reign... What were they? Besides, I mean, I'm sure you went from offset printing to digital printing. No, no, we continue to be offset. Are we? Are you still offset printing? No, digital printing. You know, offset printing is where they make those plates. 
Church. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Girl, you can see how removed I am. Yeah. Too long. Doesn't take long. <laughs> it's gone. It it's a yeah. good thing you sold that business. No <laughs> kidding. <laughs> they're, they're so much better off. Um, no, uh, first of all, it's just that we were so poor and had to do everything. So going from, we were just kids. I mean, I was 23, Leverett was 26. The median age of our company was 23 years old in the beginning. Wow. And then growing into a healthy, mature, professional company, you know, again, going from where each of us had to do everything to a really professional group with fabulous, talented people and really great products. It was like a dream come true. How did the dot-com business not just take you down like it did everybody else? Part of it was that we weren't competing with them. Think about it. The Internet's not very local. Now, you're doing local things, and there are more and more local things coming up. But where the daily newspapers were completely threatened by their their ability to do 24-7 news and the newspaper's inability to do that, the Internet wasn't providing local information. So that they weren't competing with me. And at the same time, very early on, we invested in digital technology and had digitalarkansasbusiness.com and took all of our publications, have a digital component. And then also we do digital marketing, or they do. Sorry, I trip on that all the time, mm-hmm. Carrie. Um, they, the digital marketing side of Arkansas Business has been the fastest growing area of the business. Do you have to have a subscription or subscription to get into the uh, website, the Arkansas Business website? Th- it's not free. You can't no, just go there. No, you can have four, I think four visits a month last that I was involved. Is it still um, a weekly magazine or is it a monthly no, magazine? No, it's weekly. Mm-hmm. It's still, that's just so much to do every week along with all the other stuff you do. Yeah, ask Gwen Moritz about that. She, Who? <laughs> the editor, Gwen Moritz. She's very attuned to the rigorous so what do you see for the future of journalism do you believe it's still an honorable profession i do i definitely do um i'm i'm sorry that that has been so disparaged i don't think it's fair for the mainstream media who really are good hard-working ethical people really trying to do the best that they can to report the news. So I think that's been a real uh, problem for the country because people don't know what to believe anymore. I mean, if you if you say that your information sources are all bad, and they're not, they're, they're, there really are more principled and ethical media sources than others. And if you say they're all bad, then people just withdraw from a absorbing information in general and then that makes for an you know an educated electorate or you know community so i i i totally disagree with that characterization of media as being all bad fake, and fake, fake news, and fake news. on the take and just doing it to sell a subscription and you know it's it's just not it's not the case so you think journalism is still still a great honorable profession that you can make a living at totally so if you're speaking to a young adult wanting to pursue a career in journalism, what would you tell them? Please do. If you're smart and you're ethical 
and you really care about your community or the community that you're serving, and you really want to do good, honest, hard work, please get into the profession. And it's creative. Oh, yes. And, and you know, like investigation, I was reading an article about the private detectives today, and I thought, oh, man, am I too old to become a private detective. Yes. That sounded so cool. What well, they actually, do now? nobody would know you were a private detective because you would not look like one no. at all. I don't fit the part at all. Um, but it's, you know, you, you get to do investigating and research and digging and discovery. And it's an incredible profession. I love it. All right. I want to tell everybody that you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. And I'm speaking today with Miss Olivia Farrell, retired CEO and co-founder of Arkansas Business Publishing Group. What's next for you, Miss Farrell? I know you're not going to join the foreign services as you once <laughs> thought. <laughs> But you are service work. You have been on more clubs than anybody I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. And uh, this, so you got to think about what your legacy is. So let's just tell everybody what you currently are. You currently are in the news for being only the fourth woman to be inducted into the University of Arkansas's Walton Business Hall of Fame. You've already been on the Arkansas Women's Hall of Fame. Rotary Club 99's 2019 Leader of the Year Governor Mike Beebe gave you the Distinguished Citizen Award. And there is a portrait of you hanging in the lobby of UALR. Come on, I please. I love that. I bet you do. I love, I love that because it's a woman. I you just know? love it. I, I just love, period, love it, period. That's well, pretty plus, cool. Plus, they let me use a 10-year-old photo. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be up there forever, so it needs to be one you like. So what is next? you got two. You got one minute. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned to you before the show started, the only um, real goal I have in mind right now is teaching elementary kids, tutoring elementary children in reading. So that's my biggest ambition. Um, I'd like to be able to socialize again normally. That, that'd be <laughs> so, nice. Just a social queen. That sounds great. <laughs> a social queen and uh, a reading tutor. Those are my big ambitions. Love it. Here's your gift for coming on the show. A U.S. Oh, and an Arkansas desk so set much. to put on your desk at home thank while you. you're reading. You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Next week we have uh, Joyce Elliott. And the week after that we have uh, French Hill. So everybody stay tuned. I'd like to say in closing to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, that's G-R-A-Y, at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.